following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. On today's episode, Andrew and I take a look back at 1985 and what if Mr. Bernie Kozar had chosen to go and play for the Minnesota Vikings after a very, very confusing draft situation. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Matt Johnson, and this is the Two Point Conversation. we are andrew another week another week around this no it doesn't work whatever it's monday it's monday (laughs) another week around a day another spin around the sun another week of you and i just talking and talking and talking (laughs) just just the two of us uh (laughs) well it is the two-point conversation not the two-point conversion it's uh, Yeah. Well, hey, at least it's a two-point conversation for now. Um, what is Are up? We getting fired? No, 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 never. Not certainly not you. Um, what is up, everybody? Welcome back. Hope you're doing well. We are in the heart of summer now, uh, in the middle of June, and uh, we're excited. This is—is is this our four-year anniversary? No, I—I I think Tuesday or Wednesday is. I think two years. Yeah. Is it four year or five? You know, yeah, we'll be going on to our fifth season before your um, anniversary. So we're starting off a big week here celebrating part of the reason I was going to take a break this week. But uh, part of the reason I decided to come come and do this all also uh, this Saturday is the beginning of our fantasy football episode, which are which is really, really cool. Fantasy football is back. Myself, Ryan Holt Bailey. Um, we're going to be kicking that off every single Saturday from now until uh, the end of the regular season end of fantasy football season. So week 17. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We got some fun stuff planned for you. Me and Ryan had a lot of did a really good last year. Um, just talking fantasy football. I'm excited and I know he is too. It's been a little while since he's been around with the show. He's been busy um, doing grown up things, but we are excited to have him back in the mix. Um, but yeah, so we got a fun one, Andrew. Last week we did what if uh, Maddie Maddie Ice ended up getting drafted by the Rams. This week you're going a little old school, just a little old school. Back That's to uh, my favorite decade of all time, the 1980s, 1985. A yeah. uh, a big year for the uh, I mean National Football League. I know going into it, a lot of people were just were talking about um, the NFL being boring and not fun. This is the I think this might be the beginnings of the the no fun league. And uh, obviously we would get the, 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 the 85 bears, which helped bring it back to popularity. But uh, the year started off pretty wild because we have, uh, we had a, uh, a big time college player coming out and there was a little bit of a draft controversy that followed him in, in huge, huge draft controversy. 
pretty much Bernie Kozar was the hot quarterback prospect this year. Uh, the Bills had the number one overall pick, didn't really need him because they still had the rights to Jim Kelly and everybody in the NFL is watching the USFL crumble at this point. So they're just going fold, fold, fold. And uh, the Houston Oilers uh, jump, or I'm sorry, the Minnesota uh, first, or no, wait a minute. So the Houston Oilers has the second pick, Minnesota in the draft, Minnesota Vikings trade up, but um, this guy you might've heard of, Ernie Acorsi. Oh yeah. He sees. He's, he was at the, he did the Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf decision. He had to do the um, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning trade. He did all that. He's a big time, big time uh, front office guy. And uh, so he's with the Browns and he says, you know what? I think I'm going to trade for the first overall supplemental pick because Butch is owned by the Bills. So they do that and a war ensues over Bernie Kozar because he ultimately kind of has a choice to declare early or he could stay back in school and hit the supplemental draft. So this goes all the way up to the commissioner's office to the point where the commissioner just looks at Bernie Kozar and goes, where do you want to go? Kind of like a judge with two fighting parents at this point. (laughs) Who do you want to live with? So this starts a whole recruiting trip, Bernie being from Ohio and then the Vikings, a little bit better of a situation than rolling out the red carpet, showing them hall of fame head coach, Bud Grant and everything else. But he ultimately decides to take that extra class and stay in school to go to the supplemental draft, picking the Browns. But what if he was like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to go home because he has talked. This is probably one of his biggest mistakes when it comes to money because he has been broke over the years and everything else and being close to family. But what if he's like, maybe I want to go to Minnesota and play Wait, for the Vikings. Are you saying so? Let me before we get away from that point. Yeah. You're saying that his family kind of took a lot of his wealth and earnings. Is that is that is he felt yeah. obligated to help? Uh, so it's like a Trent Richardson situation. Yeah, he felt very obligated to help his family. But I guess little did he know. He said that at one point his father even got a million dollars from the Browns. Really? Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty much what it was, is he felt obligated to go back home, help his family, everything else. Uh, from what I understand, Bernie is a very generous, trustworthy guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously quite a bit. Uh, and I mean... Very level. You never hear really a bad thing about Bernie Kosar. You really don't hear anything bad about him. Good dude. Um, they say he's probably the most beloved player in Cleveland Brown history, which is saying a lot considering you have, you've had Jim Brown and I mean, honestly, so many greats. I know it's, it, it sounds laughable, um, you know, because uh, how Cleveland's track record has been, but Bernie is probably when the, been the most likable guy. 
uh, in Brown's history, which is uh, really, really cool. Um, it, it speaks volumes to him, speaks volumes to who he is as a player and a person. And uh, and that's unfortunate. You know, uh, I guess a little bit of a life lesson that good people are taken advantage of very easily. But um, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's sad. That is unfortunate. Yeah. Very good at making money. He said very good at spending it and very good at giving it away. Those are the three things he said he was good at after his NFL career. But um, let's see. So 1985, he says, you know what? I want to go to the Vikings, play for the Vikings. Because the Vikings for years were like a quarterback and a running back away. That's the first thing I noticed looking through this. And I think that, uh, you know, obviously we're going to get to seasonal breakdowns, but there's a there's a little bit of hot potatoing here at the quarterback position, just (laughs) a little bit. There's a couple guys. I mean, every three years there seem to be cycling somebody new in, whether it's Tommy Kramer, Wade Wilson, Rich Gannon, uh, Wade Wilson, Deadpool. Uh, I know, right? I, I, that was the first thing I thought of when I seen when I seen that many years ago. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that quarterback position was. I mean, it gets even worse in the nineties. It gets way worse. I don't Jim, think it's Jim McMahon. A couple years of Warren Moon. You got Brad Johnson. You got an you know an aging Randall Cunningham. He lit it up though that ninety eighth season. He did. No, he did. Uh, <laughs> You know, Jeff George, they did, you know, just inconsistent. And I know that Kosar didn't play that late, but oh man, this is uh it's been it's really inconsistent quarterback play. I'm looking through it right here from 85 on. You know, Tommy Kramer had a pretty good 85 season, 35-22. Um, you know, in, in that regard. But as far as passing yards, it goes three thousand, and Wade Wilson gets twenty one oh six, two 2746, 2543. And this is in the late 80s, too, which that's not like great numbers. And then we get into the Rich Gannon era 2278, 2166, 1905. And this is passing yards. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty insane considering what Bernie Kosar did throughout his entire career. And I know he had some down years, but uh, he stayed, his numbers were actually really, really good uh, throughout given playing time and, and, and consistency and staying healthy. He, uh, you know, he did, he, he did kind of well for himself. He did. He did with that weird throwing motion as well. Oh, that messed me up on the play of the day yesterday. I was like, what am I, who am I watching? Philip rivers. Uh, like <laughs> it, it was, it was more nauseating than Philip rivers, like watching that, that throw. He threw it like a damn baseball. Somebody said, uh, was I was watching something on NFL film. The, the sports writer for the LA Times said it's like watching somebody try and throw a slippery bar of soap. Yes, <laughs> that's that's everything in a nutshell when it comes to him. And did you notice that you don't know where the ball is actually going once he releases it? Had no clue. <laughs> Had no clue. It was so scary. I didn't know if that was because of older age or whatnot. Because I. I mean, obviously, I didn't live to see Bernie Kosar play, but uh, 
yeah, dude, that was crazy. That was, it was wild watching that. I, I was, I was so uncomfortable. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to die out there. Like I, I really thought like his throw, <laughs> he's going to throw his arm off. It, it was a very unorthodox throw style that nobody ever talks about really either. Everybody likes to, again, they like, like to make th- fun of Philip Rivers sidearm uh, thing, but Bernie Kozar, I've never seen anything like that before. That was impressive. Well, it's when I first saw Philip Rivers, that was the first guy I thought of with the throw emotion. Right. And I was like, it's just so disgusting. But the funny thing about Bernie Kozar and his funny in his throw emotion is Jim Kelly had a golf tournament and they put up a tire and I think they backed up like 25, 30 yards and all the quarterbacks there couldn't hit, hit the ball through the tire. And Kozar was just hitting them one after another. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I got. I, I definitely want to watch more of that. I definitely want to see a whole lot more of that because that's uh, that's that was impressive. That was impressive. I could see why Bernie Kotler is the most beloved guy because he's up there. Probably, if you talk about dark days in Cleveland, you know the firing of Paul Brown, the moving of the Browns, and then also when Belichick cut Bernie Kotler. Those are probably, I would say, definitely top three biggest things that I could think of that devastated the city of Cleveland that weren't like a game, <laughs> like the drive, the fumble, red, right, 88. Right. Or anything like that. So, yeah, there was a lot of bad. I mean, but Kozar was probably at that time, the most recognizable player uh, on the team, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he, he was the, he was the face of the franchise and it was, it took a lot. I mean, that Bill Belichick doing that is probably almost, you know, almost. I'm not saying it's the same situation completely, but it it took balls to do that in the same light that, you know, Jerry Jones having a fire Landry, uh, you know, did almost similar. And what I mean by that is that you have a, a figure that's beloved by the, the fans who pay money and such, but, you know, they have a they have a different uh, vision mm-hmm. on how things should go um, to make the team better. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely up there. I know a lot of people are pretty. I think that's why a lot of Cleveland fans hate Belichick to this day, like older Cleveland fans, just because they did that. Yeah, I, I can see it. I, I get it. Um, So. He had a choice for the listeners who don't yep. know what's what's this uh, this draft situation that that came about. So the Vikings traded with the Oilers for the second pick um, in the 85 draft. But the Browns also had traded for the first pick in the supplemental draft because nobody was quite sure what he was going to do. Right. Was he going to, like I said, stay in school and just and take that extra class and go for the supplemental or was he going to come out and declare at, you know, what time the deadline to declare and then come out into the regular draft. Cause did he only come out as a sophomore? Is that what I'm yeah. seeing? He only came out as a sophomore. Okay. Yeah. He was, I think he won two national champions, one or two national championships, maybe one. Is that you- Jimmy Johnson university of Miami too? Or no? Uh, the later years. Okay. I think this is still Howard Schnellenberger. What a name. Uh, all right. 
<laughs> so he basically had a he ended up getting a choice. Yep. Uh, essentially where he wanted to go because he was eligible. No, he thought he was eligible. Um, he missed the eligibility for, for the formal eligibility documents for the 85 draft. That's that's basically where a lot of confusion goes comes from. The Vikings thought they had him. Yes. The, the Vikings thought they had him. It's, it's it, you know, there's quotes here, you know, Bud Grant's super confused. He thought that um, the reason why they hit, you know, they, they shot for the number one pick or whatever, they, they their bid is they, they wanted Bernie Kosar. Um, you know, he declared for the draft, but officially didn't put in his paperwork and all that stuff. And then the Browns had a claim. Then the Bills had a claim, as you mentioned. And uh, was that it? Those are the three teams, right? The Oilers kind of, sort of. The Oilers. <sighs> but they were the fine. They were, yeah, the Oilers, the, the Bills and the, the Bills and the Oilers were more just kind of pissed off because they traded. Right. Yeah. Right. So they were like, why are we doing this? So, and then I think a lot of teams wanted to go back on their deals because that was like the whole thing. Cause Minnesota was like, Hey, I thought we were going to get them. Cause I guess who is the GM? I think it was Mike Lynn. Poor Mike Lynn. Yeah. Makes so many bad trades. I guess Mike Lynn called up Ernie Acorsi and was yeah. like, Hey, we just traded for Bernie Kosar. And Ernie Corsi goes, no, you traded for the second pick. <laughs> <laughs> you did not trade for Bernie Kosar. And that's when this whole circle came to be. I see. Right. Roselle had to sit him down and like talk to everybody, have a discussion. Yeah. And then finally he just looked at him. Like I said, like, like divorcing parents, who do you want to live with? Right. And then they had, I think one or two weeks of recruiting. That's crazy. Yeah. Whole legal situation. His agent was going to sue if he had to enter the traditional draft that this and that. Um, But of course he ends up, Decided to go to Cleveland and they select him with the first selection in 85 and uh, offered him a five-year contract. So it sounds like they were ready to uh, avert the eligibility date so he can kind of go right in the traditional draft if he so chose. But yeah, he, he basically ended up choosing Cleveland. Yeah. But there was a press conference and everything else. It was kind of like the decision in a way. If you see it, he comes in and he's like, Wearing a tank top and like a pair of shorts, not all dressed up though, like LeBron James. And uh, he just comes in and people are like waiting for him to hear go, I declare, or I'm going to stay for another semester. And they were like, and that's when he was like, ah, and that's when he gave his decision. And then once he gave that decision, you knew where he was going to go. It right. wasn't, I'm going to go to the Browns. It's I'm going to do this. Yeah. Well, let's take a look. Uh, that obviously the point of this episode is to take a look at what if Bernie Bernie Kosar had chosen uh, to be taken by the Minnesota Vikings. That is the that is the big thing here. Uh, as Andrew said towards the top of the show, quarterback away, running back away. It's kind of hard not to think uh, about maybe Bernie Kosar with Herschel Walker, with Chris Carter, uh, with or excuse me, Anthony Carter, and and eventually some of these other players too, right? There's yeah, Chris Carter comes around this time. Yep, 1992. It's hard. It's kind of hard not to think of that team making a bit of a difference. Uh, they made the playoffs in '87, '88, and '89, never getting past. Well, excuse me, '87 they made the conference championship. Yep. '88 uh, and '89 they lost in in the divisional round. 
But it's hard to not think of a team with a little bit better quarterback play in Bernie Kosar. Um, uh, maybe advancing, maybe getting a little bit further on. Because that divisional game in 87, where they beat the 49ers, that pretty much almost got Bill Walsh fired. Oh, really? Sparked that right there. Pretty much got Bill Walsh fired. Uh, got his president's title taken away from him. And pretty much is one of the big sparks in the young Montana controversy. Interesting. Interesting. And yeah, I didn't really realize that, but, uh, you know, Minnesota after that, you know, they go on to lose the the Redskins 10 10 to 17, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, this is, retired bud grant right this is retired bud grant era but he's still kind of lingering i don't think he yeah i don't think he was lingering too much this is jerry burns his offensive coordinator okay yeah bud grant was out at 85 and the only reason why he came back you think bud sticks around if he gets bernie (sighs) do i think bud sticks around I think Bud was done. I don't yeah. think Bud's one of those guys where like coaching is like the number one thing for him. Yeah. That was that's what I got out of when I did the Bud Grant thing. Like he treated it like a 40 hour a week job. He wasn't the John Gruden's or anything of that nature, the Sean McVay's going in early in the morning scheming he was like i want to be home i want to spend some time with my family i want to be able to shut it off and 85 you figure he's been coaching geez since the 60s at this point i mean head coaching who god knows how long he's been an assistant coach for yeah player geez the guy played in the nba at one point um (laughs) so (laughs) i've been coaching since 57 um he was the started off in the cfl uh, and probably before that his first head coaching job was in the uh, cfl for the winnipeg winnipeg blue bombers so who knows how many assistant jobs he'd had since then but yeah i think he's done i think he's like i get a chance i can go hunting i can go fishing i can work on my garage sailing skills i'm i'm out and I think the only reason why he came back in 85 is because Les Snuckle went three and 13. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just, just noticed that. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. And they were like, hey, we just need a guy for a little bit. But I don't think he sticks around. And plus two, it's 85. Are you really doing anything against the 85 Bears at this point? No, I mean, they obviously they were beatable, but probably not. No, especially in the same division. You know, they blew the lead. They had the lead. And then Jim McMahon came back in that in that game week three Monday night football. I think it was the, the or was it week three. Yeah, look, it's a Thursday night game. Thirty three to twenty four Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Um, but uh you know, with with going back to to Kosar, you know, it, it a little bit better highly. I mean, these Tommy Kramer years aren't really terrible. Like looking at it, I feel like 
the defense got him by in a lot of things. Actually, yeah, look at these. I mean, uh, 86 was a really good year. 24 to 10. Uh, as far as touchdowns and interceptions go, but a lot of that, yeah, Kramer was banged up a lot. <laughs> We're talking about Tommy Kramer. Well, I'm not super familiar with Tommy Kramer, so this is all like a learning lesson for me. He did put <laughs> up a lot of yardage totals, but he was a, he was kind of a turnover machine, even when healthy. Um, he only played one full season in his career. So, I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that like Kosar was great because Kosar only played in three full seasons. Um, yeah. 86, 89, and 91. So there is that issue too. But Kosar, uh, it's hard to say because Kosar's good years were good. And, you know, I can't really think of too many studs from that era for Cleveland Brown football. I know. I'm sure there were, I'm sure there were. Those it was very, you went to the AFC championship several times. The only thing I'm curious about is he was put in that Marty ball system. They had two good running backs in, I believe for a couple of years before Kevin Mack went to jail for selling Coke or Coke trafficking. Uh, they had Kevin Mack and they had Ernest Biner. Right. So they had really good running backs. So what is Marty going to do with two really good running backs? Right. Just, oh yeah, he was there. Yeah. From 85 to 93. Kevin Mack was, so you're just going to pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball. And cause our numbers are, are high, but imagine if he was kind of, like his passing yards, imagine if he was kind of unleashed a little bit more. Right. Let, you know, kind of let, let go. Right. It was a very grounded pound style offense. It's kind of what Cleveland has always been, I guess, if you really look at it that way. Um, you know, but even still, if, if Kozar and Kozar would, if he's drafted, there's a, a very high chance that he's going to make it to the Herschel Walker era, which, you know, if you look at his Minnesota run, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't his quite his Dallas years, but he still put up numbers. He still got touchdowns. He could still produce. You, you what really wasn't all that bad, um, but that team was just more than a. It was more than a running back away, uh, despite what they had thought um, at that time. So, I don't know. I think with better quarterback play, a little bit more smarter quarterback play, this team is. Uh, possibly a little bit better off. I don't know if they're going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I, that's maybe 87. I mean, I know that that's but, that's what I'm stuck on. Is that 87? Let me look at the let me look at the you know, Washington was Washington. That's the strike year. So a lot of some of their wins, I think, came from scabs. Oh, oh, yeah. But how much did that affect? How much did that affect? You know, uh, did, did Kozar sit out? I don't know if he did. I mean, look at his stats. That's that's probably that could be a reason why he didn't completely finish. What? He in, went, oh, he went eight and four. He went eight and four. Eighty-seven. He played twelve games. Yeah, eight and four. Threw for a bunch. That was probably that's his best touchdown year. Twenty-two. Yeah. So. 
I don't know. It's like it's Minnesota. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of it's, yeah. it's 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 unfortunately one of those things because it's Minnesota has been so close so many times. Conference championship, four Super Bowl losses. Uh, you know, in it's hard. It's 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 kind of difficult to predict, but possibly. You know, maybe Washington's not in that picture. I mean, obviously they were the best team, you know, in the NFC because they did end up going to the Super Bowl that year and winning it. No, right? Oh, they won it a year. Washington, yeah. They would have because, yeah, I forgot the AFC. They beat must have beat Denver. Uh, they, they would have beaten Denver that year, I think. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things. You know, maybe there's some better years. Maybe they get a little further on. I'm looking at what is what is Bernie Kosar worth on this Vikings team? At this point, if you're looking at that 87 championship game, is he pretty much worth a touchdown and a field goal? I'd say he's a little bit more than that. You think so? <laughs> I'd so like you, to think so. I, I You're thinking that he's going to win then, right? Because they only lost by seven. Right. Again, it's hard there. for me to look at that. It's hard for me to look at that. You know, I, I really got to understand that Washington defense. But, you know, you're right. The scabs did kind of get them there. Jeez. And if another one, too, if they the Vikings don't beat the 49ers, probably the 49ers probably beat Washington because 49ers were 13 and three that year. So I could see why Mr. DeBarlo was pretty pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm having a tough time with this one personally. Yeah. Overall. Um, I think if they, you know, 87 is probably going to be their best chance, but like 88, they killed it, man. 11 and five. They went, they lost in the divisional round. They got waxed by, uh, by San, they got beat by San Fran pretty good. Only put up nine points. I mean, you'd like to think that Kozar does a little bit more than that, but you know what a epic fold that is. You know, I don't. You know, I, don't I guess they're leading rusher when your leading rusher only goes three hundred eighty yards. It's kind of high in a season. <laughs> that's kind of hard to. Uh, um, that's crazy though. They had a one hundred seventy three point differential. Differential. Wild. Um, I love the fact that it just says their offensive scheme, smash mouth. <laughs> hey, now you're an all-star. You just came <laughs> on, go play. I don't uh, see them beating the 49ers in 88. That team was good, too. Uh, yeah. Honestly, man, I don't know. I don't know if CoStar makes a difference here. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to look at it. I, I think, like... I don't know. Maybe 87. Maybe. But I don't know if Minnesota benefits from this at all. I really don't. I really don't. I think if anything gets affected, it's Cleveland. But I think Cleveland, if anything, it's a negative thing for Cleveland. (laughs) Like, and that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, you don't have Schottenheimer doesn't have co-star. Where do they go for quarterback? You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't know if it's, it, it really benefits Minnesota at all. I mean, yeah, they got a good team and maybe just maybe some magic happens, but you know, uh, looking, 
co-star his health st- statistically. Um, you know, maybe maybe you get some good years in the the late you know the 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 late eighties, early nineties at the most. I'm you not- know, but I I just I don't know if I I really don't like the. Uh, I really don't like, you know, their odds, especially against some of these monsters here in the uh, in the NFC at that time. Of course, 49ers are starting to they're, they're still really, really good. But. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if they can get past the 49ers or a Giants team uh, or some of these other squads. I don't know. I, I Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think the only one that you can really look at where. You can say hyper focus and a big what if, and even then it'd be kind of cool if we could run it through some type of simulator. Is the '87 season, right? Is is he overcoming and beating that Washington team? Because then you go on and you face the Broncos, and are you good enough to even beat the Broncos? even though the AFC at this point is pretty much pure garbage. I was bad. The the Broncos. I think they're like the holy team. The Broncos, what is it? The Broncos Raiders. There's not too many teams in the really, really good teams in the eighties that were good overall football teams. I'm looking at, uh, yeah, I think for me, it's it would probably be the defense. How Minnesota's defense could fare against a uh, against a team like the uh, you know like the Broncos at that time. I gotta see because the points against they're kind of middle of the road. They're kind of middle of the pack. Um, Denver with ten four and one in eighty seven. That was a really good team. I'll I'll say this. Okay. Right, here'll be my official determination on if Bernie Kosar ends up with the Vikings. They can find their way past. They find their way past Washington, but Elway gets his first in 87. I could see that. And that's probably that's probably being maybe a little generous i think but this is a gr- this is a really good denver broncos team that was a stout washington team defensively um you know i'm looking at their their stuff they were six you know they, they were very similar in like points against points for all those categories but uh I, yeah i I think Elway might get his first in 87, which makes those later years so much more interesting. Does he stick around to try and get one or get, you know, back to back? Yeah. And it's so, not that big of a, it's not that big thing. of a thing. Cause when he won that first one, man, it was a, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And that was right. Didn't they go away from a certain Jersey style? Yeah. Because the they thought they were cursed or something like that. I didn't know that. I just remember them changing the to those jerseys that I still hate today. <laughs> they said that they, yeah, they, yeah. I I don't I don't necessarily like those either. 
but um but they yeah they kind of went away from the cream uh the the, the orange crush the orange crush they kind of went away from it so um i don't think it really changes maybe another super bowl loss for the vikings maybe an 0 5 run and i think that's being generous i love bernie kosar don't get me wrong but i just don't know what more he could do mm-hmm. um you know I think his quarterback play is, uh, you know, a little bit more superior. I mean, he had some, he had some down years too, touchdown inter- interceptions and such. Um, there's some real difficult seasons here, but uh, I, th- I think the biggest benefactors at this point right now uh, of our discussion, John Elway gets his first in 87 and Cleveland. Oh boy. Cleveland. The only thing I can think of is, all right. The guy that Art Modell wanted was Doug Flutie. Uh, but does Ernie Accorsi talk him out of that? And they look to the 86 draft. And I, oh, they didn't have a pick. Oh, no, but they don't make that trade. Oh, no, they already made that trade. So they don't have a pick. They don't have a first rounder. Right. For, I think, one or two years. Or at least one. Yeah, it's not looking good for Cleveland right now. So are uh, they so bad that they get Vinny Testaverde early? <laughs> or maybe where does Minnesota sit? Minnesota, I'm looking at 86 draft now. What do you mean, Minnesota? Or Cleveland. Well, oh. Cleveland. Yeah, I guess Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland um, doesn't have a first round pick that year. They don't have a first round pick in that year. Do they make do they do they trade all that if they know they're not getting Bernie Kosar? I think they made the trade before. That was the big thing. Okay. Is I made this trade. Now I don't know if I'm gonna get them. I think that was like the big, huge thing between like Houston, Buffalo and everybody else was if I'm not going to get it, why am I trading all this stuff for it? And that's why if you look at the, what is it? 80 in the 85 draft, Minnesota ends up trading that pick to the Falcons. Okay. So they don't even hold on to that pick. So I'm trying to think of a scenario where maybe Cleveland gets uh, Jim Everett, but I don't. I'm thinking 86. I'm thinking unless they slum. You're looking at Vinny Testaverde. The only other quarterback in 87 was Kelly Stolfer. And yeah, but this is all a lot of this is dependent on Cleveland's draft picks and being bad. And I guess without a quarterback, you could be. Did you um, see the quarterbacks? Pick- <laughs> I know, I know. They picked fifth in 1987. The first quarterback off the board was Vinny. And then after that was Chris Miller. So maybe Chris Miller. Okay. That's... Maybe. I don't I don't think that's awful. It could Jim Harbaugh. Oh yeah, Harbaugh. That would be the perfect guy in Cleveland. I kind of do like that idea. Jim Harbaugh in Cleveland. He was picked uh, 26th in 1987. That's, the weird. That's crazy that the Bears picked him in the first round. 
I understand Jim McMahon was getting banged up all the time, but holy shit, man, what a what a vote of no confidence that was uh, instantaneously. <laughs> but he did hold it down for the Bears for for a considerable amount of time. Yeah, he was he was there for a little while, um, like, yeah, eighty seven and ninety three before he went to Indy. So maybe uh, Hardball's their guy. Harbaugh in Cleveland, Harbaugh or Chris Miller. That is the thing. So, uh, but what that means, though, what that means, though, do you get all the heartbreak? No, I don't. I but, don't. I'm not saying definitively no, but huh? we all know that what kind of quarterback Jim Harbaugh was. All right, it wasn't great. It, it really, okay. it, it wasn't, it was okay. It wasn't great. He, he had his moments. 94 moments. NFC championship game was, or 95 NFC championship game was probably one of the greatest games I've ever seen. AFC bro. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry. AFC. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but no, I mean, I love that game. Like, that was a miracle season. The Colts should have never made it that far. I still think they should have went to the Super Bowl though, but that's just me anyways. Uh, but Harbaugh is like tenure in, in like with Chicago was not great. He spent a lot of time there to not even be considered like a top five or top 10 Bears quarterback of all time. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but him and uh, Dicka had some good fights on the sidelines. Oh, Harbaugh fought Dicka too? Oh, Har- oh, yeah. I don't think anybody didn't fight Mike Dicka. Yeah, there's some screaming matches between them two. I could definitely see it. I could see it. I respect Harbaugh so much because he punched him Kelly in the face, but um, <laughs> he's like a top five favorite player of all time for that alone. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so uh, Cleveland, I don't think they get that heartbreak and our model might be looking to move them out of Cleveland a little bit sooner. Oh Yeah. If they don't get those at like any good year, I mean, he moved them pretty much a year after a good year, right? Because they they or the announcement came in '95. They went to they went to the playoffs in '94 with Belichick. They were ninety nineteen ninety five. They were considered Super Bowl contenders going into that season, right? And then all of a sudden, because a lot of people you know bag on that for. Oh, Belichick didn't do this. Look at his last season there, blah, blah, blah. Well, that team was deflated because he like announced it pretty much in the middle of the season. Who cares? Right. And I, they started off what? Four and. Okay. They were four and four. And then they just week 10. They probably just went on a giant losing streak, and then they won in week 16, but it was against the Bengals, and we're talking 1995, so that's a gimme anyways. Yeah. And then then they ended up losing the last game of the season. Right. And plus, to their last game, that was their last game playing in Cleveland was against the Bengals. So maybe he is definitely looking to move them sooner because I don't see hardball doing what – Bernie Coza did. Yeah, I don't see the three AFC championship game. No, I, I, I don't either. I don't either. I think it's, uh, 
you know, which it's probably good for Ernest Biner. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe. Well, I don't know if he gets moved to Washington then. Uh, so that's a whole chain of events. But uh, what does it mean for Belichick? He doesn't get a head coaching gig. Maybe some more years with Parcells. Maybe. Uh, no, he would have got a head coaching gig in 90. I think that was almost a guarantee. Okay. He was the the it kid at that point. You know how we watched like a big run on guys from the playoffs go to other teams because yeah. you're waiting. He was he was in that type of category where he was like the it guy. He had his going. pick of the litter essentially. Um, mm-hmm. So okay, so I get that. That makes sense. And he's a big fan of Paul Brown. So why would you not want to go to Cleveland if you're mm. a big fan of Paul Brown? Right. I mean, the guy wore what uh, the fedora on the the game where he could break Paul Brown's or beat Paul Brown in all time wins. So why not try and live up to the guy in the city that made his name? Right. So. No, I get that. Um, but yeah, man, I Cleveland, Cleveland's even more obscure because those late eighties teams were actually like really good, really competitive. As we said, they were right up there. I think that ends up being a stain on Marty Schottenheimer's career record too. I don't see, I don't see, I don't know if he stays around that long. Right. But I mean, he's, he got a lot of his wins. He's one of the, right. He's one of the top winningest coaches of all time to be, if he's the winningest coach in the in NFL history to not be in the hall of fame. Is that, is that what uh, the statistic is? I or is that him or Reeves? I can't remember. I get those two confused sometimes. It might be Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves won a lot of games. There's another kind of weird underrated coach. Uh, yeah. Nope. That would be him. Other than active, still, other than active head coaches, because you got Belichick and Andy Reid. Marty Schottenheimer is seventh on the all-time wins list and is not in the Hall of Fame. Right. He has 10 more than uh than Reeves does. Um Cleveland, Kansas City, Washington, and San Diego. Ooh, don't so. tell Boyd he has seven more wins than Chuck Knoll. <laughs> um, so you know, does shot yeah, does Schottenheimer get all those wins? That was his best run with Cleveland, 44 and 20. Well, it was a pretty damn good run. Yeah. 44 and 27. You know, that takes a hit. Uh you know, I mean, I, I love Marty Schottenheimer, but um you know, that Cleveland run, it's a, it's a pro and a con towards his legacy. Yeah. It probably, the Cleveland, I think, run, though, definitely is the reason why he got the majority of his job hires afterwards. Right, because it's seen how that, close he could get and, and whatnot. Even that stupid stint in Washington for a year. <laughs> so I think we hit all the, hit everything. Yep. Uh, that we really could. I mean, you can go on and on and on and on, but simply put Minnesota at the best makes a super bowl. Doesn't win. All right. It, if they get Bernie Kosar, uh, John Elway, if that's the case, John Elway gets his first. If, if Minnesota could somehow get past Washington, I think that John Elway gets his first based on just how great that team was uh, stars top to bottom. Um, and that means a lot too for the AFC at that point. Yeah, because that breaks up that run that they had. That like thir- the NFC had like a thirteen season run or something on the Super Bowl. Yeah, from nineteen. 
Jeez. We'll say the last time the AFC won the Super Bowl was 1983. So you figure from 1984 all the way up until, funny enough, the Broncos broke it in 98. Mm. It was dominated by the NFC. Interesting. I wonder what that would have done for Elway's career because it feels it felt like really good competitor and such. But does he have a big chip on his shoulder if he can't win the big one? You know what I mean? Does it? Does he like yeah. I, again? Did, how does it affect his playing career? I think it affects his legacy too because you're not looking at a lot of people go. Okay, well he needed TD to win those Super Bowls, right? He wins that in 87. It's John Elway won that Super Bowl and he really didn't need to somebody else. Right. I mean, again, first ballot Hall of Famer, regardless, tons of money, um, Super Bowl rings, two to go with it. But, uh, you know, there's there's always that 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 doubt that, hey, you needed this certain piece to, to kind of win it all, which is weird. But um, so that gets affected. Cleveland, you don't have the drive or the fumble doesn't really affect you. Um, you know, that, that stuff doesn't happen. It's not, you know, ill-fated such in your lore. You probably go for a Jim Harbaugh or Chris Miller. Cleveland might move away sooner. Belichick doesn't go there, maybe somewhere else. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I think that's pretty much, yeah. that's, that's pretty much that. Possibly Doug Flutie. Possibly Doug Flutie. <laughs> Mordell gets his way, Doug Flutie. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, what happens more often than not, but history probably transpired for the best for everybody. Um, yeah. I think, you know, it, you know, Bud Grant would have been happy <laughs> getting his guy, getting the guy that he wanted to be successful. But I, I just, yeah, I think, I think it happened for the best the way that it did. Uh, very rarely do we see things happen in and transpire a, uh, you know, where it would have been, been might've been better another way, very rarely on these episodes, but it is always fun to look at, you know, what, what might have, uh, you know, what, what might've occurred, what might've occurred if things happen a certain way. So, um, but that is it, everybody. I will have choice next week. I haven't quite decided yet. So I know I've been kind of, we haven't been leaving you with cliffhangers the last month or so. I got a lot going on. So uh, we will have one for you next week, of course. And, uh, and yeah, that's a wrap though. That is a wrap. Andrew, great job on this choice, man. Uh, this is a lot of fun to, to look at and discuss. Uh, it's always nice to get to talk about Bernie Coaster. We haven't done any, I mean, we did an episode on him probably two years ago. We just talked about the draft situation. That's what it was. It was an NFL history episode. Yeah, it was the draft situation. So um, so we have gotten to talk about him. But uh, uh, but yeah, that is it, everybody. Thank you so much. And on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two-point conversation is good.